Hey, this is Dan, and thanks for tuning in to the podcast where I talk legal stuff with lawyers that I know, like, and trust. I hope you find the information really useful. And if you need legal help, that you reach out to one of these lawyers directly or drop by lawbydan.com and I can steer you in the right direction. Here is your podcast. Strata in building disputes are often very complex in nature, particularly when there is litigation involved. And for most, you add another layer of complexity when you're trying to get your head around the jurisdiction that your matter sits, and of course, what court or tribunal ultimately will determine the matter. In today's podcast, we're back to basics with David Sachs of Sachs Strachey Lawyers. David, how does someone actually choose where to start their case? Good morning, Dan. Uh, ultimately, a person needs to choose uh, the court or tribunal where they want to run their case based on what remedy they want from the proceedings. So sometimes people want money, sometimes people want work to be done, and um, <laughs> helpfully or un- unhelpfully, more to the more to the point, um, different courts and tribunals have different powers to do different things. And so you need to carefully select the jurisdiction that you bring your case in to make sure that when you go there, that the court or tribunal can do what it is that you want them to do for you. Now, I mean, we both would agree that, um, you know, if somebody is involved in litigation or contemplating it, they they should seek legal advice and, and help along the way. But I'm just thinking about if somebody perhaps hasn't uh, reach that juncture, where do they go to find this information as to well, which jurisdiction, which court, you know, am I, what am I seeking, et cetera? You definitely, you definitely need to uh, get legal advice um, about the jurisdiction where you should bring a claim because if, if one is talking, for example, about the New South Wales Civil and Administrative Tribunal, there is a piece of legislation called the Civil and Administrative Tribunal Act and that will set out um, some of the um, jurisdictional rules relating to that tribunal, but um, the tribunal gets its jurisdiction from lots of other pieces of legislation, for example, the Strata Schemes Management Act and the Home Building Act, and it also gets it from the Retail Leases Act, etc., etc. So in, in order to make a decision without the assistance of a lawyer, um, a potential litigant would have to navigate navigate their way through all of those pieces of legislation in order to work out what it is that the tribunal can do and whether they're going to the right place. Correspondingly, with any court, there is the um, Civil Procedure Act and there's the Uniform Civil Procedure Rules. Um, I, I know I'm talking on a podcast here, but in front of me, I have a a copy of the Civil Procedure Act and the Uniform Civil Procedure Rules in a book. And that book is over um, 1,000 pages long. So there's quite a lot of material there and it's um, relatively complex. Um, uh, It's complex even for lawyers, let alone for lay people. So practically speaking, uh, do you sort of differentiate um, between, you know, the, the 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 jurisdiction or the court that you choose based upon the matter type. So if it's a strata matter, you go, okay, well, look, this is where I'm going to go. Or if it's a billing dispute, no, I'm going to go through this other door. 
Um, yes, that, that's always the first question that a, a lawyer is grappling with when deciding um, where to where to bring a case um, in. Uh, home building disputes or things dealing with you know residential building construction um, and also dealing with strata disputes the um, New South Wales Civil and Administrative Tribunal is the primary jurisdiction it's also the preferred jurisdiction so the legislation is set up to direct cases that fit within those categories into the tribunal because that's what it's set up for for to to do that, um, but there are um, in, in order to look at whether, for example, a strata dispute is able to be decided by um, the tribunal. Uh, although almost every dispute can be decided by the tribunal, not every dispute can be decided by the tribunal. And I'll give you an example: if um, uh, a, a lot owner has not pay their levies and there is recovery action for that money and all the associated fees, charges and costs, then those proceedings cannot be brought in the tribunal but must be brought in a civil court, usually the local court or the district court. Um, if there are proceedings that are re relating to um, an easement uh, or some other property rights that might be associated with the operation of an owner's corporation, then they cannot be brought in um, the tribunal but must be brought in the Supreme Court. With building claims, uh, there are some very complicated limits on the sort of claims that can be handled by the tribunal. The most obvious one is the amount of the claim. So if there is a building claim that exceeds $500,000, and there are very many in um, where owners' corporations are suing for defects, then that cannot be dealt with in the um, uh, tribunal, and they must, those cases must be dealt with, the cases for claims up to $750,000 by the district court or over that amount by the Supreme Court. And in fact, there are very, very many owners corporation claims against builders, developers or other people involved in um, the construction of the building that are progressing their way through the Supreme Court of New South Wales. The introduction of the Design and Building Practitioners Act has added another layer of complexity because even though it is treated by the tribunal as being a building claim, uh, if the claim is made um, more than three years after the building was finished, then the tribunal can't decide that claim because it can only deal with those sorts of claims if they're made within three years after completion. So that, that case would need to go to the local district or Supreme Court, depending on the timing. So you can see, even when I'm just scratching the surface, Dan, that there's yeah number of elements of uh, that, that need to be considered and of course known about before they can be considered in order to decide whether you're going to whether you're in the right place I've got I've got a very interesting and, and telling story about how an error in jurisdiction can have such dramatic consequences and this is in quite a well-known case in strata law called EB 9 and 10. Now, that is a claim where the owner of a parking space in Maclay Street, Potts Point, 
um, got into a dispute with the owners corporation about um, uh, people being allowed to travel over his parking space to get to some other common property allocated spaces that the owners corporation were renting out to various people and earning some money over it. Um, and then when um, uh, EB9 and 10 objected to that practice, the owners corporation, perhaps a little annoyed, um, decided to um, build a structure right next to the parking space um, in order to make some improvements to the common property. But that had the effect of making it very difficult for EB9 and 10 to be able to use the parking space. In other words, it was so narrow that um, a car couldn't really easily get in or out. Now, for such a prosaic dispute, um, the uh, EB9 and 10 wanted to get a declaration that the owners corporation was not allowed to build this structure in such a way that inhibited the reasonable use of the parking space and decided to seek that declaration, a declaration being a, a remedy that a court can make about declaring what a state of affairs is, brought those proceedings in the Supreme Court. Um, EB 9 and 10 ran that case. It was disputed um, about whether the, the court should make that order, but ultimately the court did make an order and EB 9 and 10 were entirely successful, except what EB 9 and 10 and its then lawyers had not looked at was a section of the Strata Schemes Management Act, section 253, where it said that if a Although a person can bring a strata dispute, because this was a dispute between a lot owner and the owners corporation, in a civil court if they choose to, if, the, if there is a remedy available in the tribunal which will give you know, the plaintiff um, a, a similar result to what they could achieve in the court, then they are required to pay the costs of all other parties. Oh, so wow. EB9 and 10 had run a case in the Supreme Court to a hearing, had won, and notwithstanding that they'd won, still had to pay their own costs and the owner's corporation's costs. And wow. so that was an extremely expensive um, case, which was ultimately made so because it was misconceived that that was the right jurisdiction for this claim. And in fact, it should have been brought in the tribunal. And if it had been brought in the tribunal, it would have been decided, A, much more quickly, and B, without those cost ramifications that were, were plainly to EB9 and 10's disadvantage. In the absence of you know that type of provision within legislation, are there sort of idiosyncrasies of particular matters that cross your desk that you go, no, actually, I'm not going to play this matter in a tribunal. I want to take this between you know before some sort of civil jurisdiction or civil court. Yeah, it might it might be because one one thing that um, one has to confront with a a Home Building Act claim, for example, is that there's a section in the Home Building Act, Section 48MA, which says that the tribunal is required to consider the option of having the builder um, uh, come back and fix any defects or things that have gone wrong in the building work. Now, that's something that applies to the even though it's even though the legislation talks about a court or a tribunal doing that, in fact, the courts cannot make an order 
requiring a builder to come back and do work because that would be part of the injunctive powers of the court and the, 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 the local court doesn't have any injunctive powers at all. The district court has very limited injunctive powers and the Supreme Court, which has very broad injunctive powers, says it would never make an injunction to require people to carry out work because that needs to be supervised. And so all of those civil courts can only provide a money remedy. So if a homeowner, for example, is looking for a money remedy and don't want to be shackled by the prospect of the tribunal ordering the builder to come back and do their work, because often, as you can expect, when, when people are in the tribunal, when they're, when they're in litigation, they're not on friendly terms and they don't want to do business together anymore. Yeah. It would be a wise choice to bring one's claim in a civil court because then the only remedy that's available is money and that might be your your preferred outcome of course you know when when one's after money one has to you can you can win a case you still got to get it so that that might that might have be another um you know salient factor in the decision but strategically you could decide to bring a case in a civil court because you want to take out of play the option that the tribunal might order the builder to come back and do the work even over the homeowner's objection. We've discussed in other podcasts that litigation is, is a tough road for, for anybody. Um, I know you're very sort of, uh, you know, um, focused on early resolution to disputes uh, that would have to be the number one recommendation, wouldn't it, to try and keep this stuff out of of a court or a tribunal? Uh, absolutely. That Well, a- apart from just the general proposition that cases are better resolved so that people can get some satisfaction and then move on, one certainly would never want to be a party to a dispute where acute jurisdictional issue is going to be decided because yeah. whilst lawyers find those things technically interesting, it has absolutely no bearing on you know a client getting what they want. So it, it, the, the, this decision has to be made correctly and has to be made early so that the real issues in dispute can be focused on. Yeah, and, and notwithstanding the fact that the client's paying for the journey along the way. Exactly. So in the EB9 and 10 example, that that matter ended up going to the Court of Appeal. And then so in order to determine all of these jurisdictional issues, it it cost an absolute fortune, which which the client paid. If people listening to this podcast are uh, contemplating uh, resolution to a dispute or, or in fact, are, are in the early stages of litigation uh, trying to do it themselves, they can reach out to you at Sex Girachi. Definitely, because some of these things, and I, I've done this recently myself, sometimes people bring their disputes in the wrong jurisdiction. It can almost always be fixed because there are rules, albeit complicated rules, about matters being transferred from one jurisdiction to another. And the exercise should always be, if you find yourself in the wrong jurisdiction, rather than ride that out, it should be fixed as early as possible so that you can be in the correct jurisdiction, getting the remedies that you want to achieve in a procedure that is acceptable and will give you the, um, you know, the, uh, you've got the process and the outcome that you're looking for. David, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Dan. 
Thanks for listening to the podcast. You can find me on all social channels, including Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube with the handle Law by Dan, or simply drop by lawbydan.com. Thanks.